Hello and welcome to Matrescence Awakening with Kieran Lee. I'm your host, Kieran, and I'm so damn excited to bring you conversations with some of my favorite humans as we demystify the spiritual world. Matrescence is a spiritual awakening, so it's time to drop the fear and lean deep into the evolution you're being called to. I'm so excited to be chatting with Ellie Swift today. Now, before I introduce you to Ellie with her incredible bio, I want to assure you that yes, you have tuned into a podcast about matrescence and spirituality, and this conversation will be full of gold whether you run a business or not. The work Ellie does with mindset is a big piece of the puzzle that has been so powerful in her growing an extremely successful business and supporting her clients with their own business growth. Working with Ellie through business has changed my personal life in ways I could never have imagined, which is why I'm so excited to share her and her magic with you today. Ellie Swift is a business mentor for high-performing women who are ready to build soul-led and intentional and profitable online businesses. Using her signature Swift marketing method, Ellie helps coaches, creatives, and consultants connect with their customers shine online, and create life-changing results for both themselves and their clients. Ellie spent a decade working in marketing in London, Sydney, and Perth, achieving her goal of head of marketing strategy by the age of 28 before making the transition into her business. She has built a seven-figure business in four years and has supported her clients as they've built six, multi-six, and seven-figure businesses created six and multi-five-figure launches, tripled their income, and completely transformed their businesses and lives using mindset, marketing, and strategy. Ellie's mission is to support soul-led women to experience the lives they dream of through entrepreneurship. Now, Ellie, welcome. Wowza, what a bio. What an incredible full life you have lived up until this point. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much for having me and for that beautiful intro. It's um, It feels so special to be here knowing that, you know, I've had the privilege of working with you and um, yeah, just so excited for this podcast and everything that you're bringing to life and feel really privileged to be here. Thank you. And it feels really special to have you here as well because you were, I would say, the the start of my mindset and spirituality journey, which, as I said, started through working with you in a business coaching capacity, but just had a huge flow on effect through every single aspect of my life. So it feels really, really special to be having this conversation with you today. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Now, I want to start our conversation by asking you, what does spirituality mean to you? So what does having a spiritual practice or being a spiritual being mean to you in your life? When I hear the word spirituality, I I instantly think of like a relationship to spirit or, you know, being in at one with spirit. And so spirituality to me is the connection to both the spiritual part of myself as well as the, the spirituality that is all around me. So whether it be through nature, whether it be through uh, relationships I have with other humans and uh, above all else, the relationship to source. So I very much believe in the fact that there is a universal power. Um, and I've always believed that ever since I was a little girl, I remember having conversations with my mom saying to her, you know, I, I just believe that there's something more. I, I feel a presence, something that's always guiding me. 
And so I do believe that I've been gifted with an ability to tap in and connect to that part of myself um, easily throughout my life. And it's definitely something that I've honed over the years. But if I were to summarize spirituality and what it means to me, it's that relationship to to source, to something greater than myself. And it's always guiding me into my highest self. It's always guiding me into um, my greatest self-actualization, my greatest self-expression, my greatest way of being in this lifetime, in this earth suit, on this planet right now. And so when I think about spiritual practice, the objective or the the reason for having that practice is the ability to connect back to the thing, the universe, the power that allows me to know where to next. You know, it allows me to, to find what alignment looks like for me. It allows me to uncover answers. It allows me to recalibrate when things feel uh, hard at a uh, very human level, you know? So that's that's why I, I tap into a spiritual practice. And in terms of what it looks like, I know that we're going to go more into that in this episode, um, but it, it really varies for me and has varied over the years. And I'm so excited to, to talk more about that. Um, but just, just overall, I would say, you know, talking about spirituality, when I think about my relationship to it, it's really easy to almost personify it as it feels like a safe, big, warm hug. It's like knowing that I'm supported, knowing that I'm anchored, knowing that I'm taken care of no matter what. Um, you know, it, it manifests for me in using language like, well, I trust that everything's happening as it's meant to. And I know that what's meant for me won't miss me. And I know things are unfolding as they're meant to for me. And I trust that I'll be guided. So that's that's really my relationship and, and how I've always viewed spirituality. Mm, you articulated that so beautifully. And the way that you speak about that, I just truly see you as, as the true and full embodiment of everything that you just touched on. You know, like you are walking the walk, you're not just talking the talk. And I don't think I've ever heard you really summarize it so concisely in that way, but it, that was just so beautiful to listen to. So thank you for articulating that so beautifully in this space. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting also that you you felt quite tapped into it as a young child. Did you have parents that were quite spiritual or introduce you to this sort of world or thinking, or was that just really innate for you? It's interesting you ask that because my mom has always been very open-minded. So she was always somebody who really encouraged us to uh, be curious and to look at experiences and religion and things outside of ourselves and make decisions that felt really good for us. And she always said things like, I believe that there's a higher power. I believe that there's something else that's guiding us. Um, my dad, he was sort of indifferent when we were growing up, but now he would definitely identify as being somebody who's spiritual in a very non-spiritual demeanor. So, mm-hmm. or like, uh, you know, stereotypical non-spiritual demeanor in that he's very much a like staunch Australian man. Uh, but, he, you know, if, as his daughter, who's very close with him, if I asked him those questions, he he very much would say that he he does identify there's always been that feeling of, um, 
you know, my parents believe in something and there's like a trust and a, a positivity that comes from that, I, I guess you could say, because I do believe that faith gives us a lot of positivity. You know, there's no there, uh, like it's very obvious that when times are hard, you know, we as humans tend to move towards faith to support us. And there's there's really no mistake as to why that is, right? You know, it, it's something that that cements us and grounds us. And I definitely witnessed that. That said, it wasn't super overt. Um, so we didn't have any spiritual books in our house. Like I remember going and getting those from the library and being really interested in that. Um, I asked to go to youth group because I wanted to find out a little bit more about Christianity as religion. I asked for books on Buddhism because I wanted to understand that. Like I, I've always had this desire to understand more. And so I think it's a it's a little bit of nature versus nurture there in that it was very much supported and encouraged um, and and there was reaffirming and reinforcing language in my home around it. But there's just, I've just always felt like I'm a really old soul, like I've been here many times before and I've had that reinforced in kinesiology sessions. And I've just always felt and I believe that there's a lot of privilege in this. And so this is just what's true for me. I've always felt incredibly supported. I've always felt that when I listen, I, I get what I I get what it is that I'm guided to, you know? And again, I, I just want to be mindful as I'm sharing that, that that is something that can be very privileged. And there's a, a base of privilege whenever we're talking about spirituality. You know, I'm white. I grew up in, you know, a working to middle class home. Um, and so I, I think that's really important to mention, but overall, yeah, there's it, it, just been a knowing really since, since day dot, there's just been a knowing that there's more that has, has been very internal. Wow. So cool. Very, very powerful. And when you say, um, when you listen, you can kind of hear that guidance, what what does that feel like for you? What, Where are you listening or where are you feeling it or what does that look like for you? So I feel it in my body when things get quiet. And this is why allowing things to get quiet is so important for me. Allowing myself to have that time to tune in is really important for me. I feel it most when I'm aligned at a human level. So what I mean by that is that I'm well hydrated and I'm eating well and I've been moving my body and I've had sleep. So um, like those very human things are really important for me to be able to tune in. Uh, it looks like sitting and breathing and giving myself space to and, you know, right now none of you will see this, but I'm like pointing to my heart space. It's like really anchoring into my body. And so it doesn't mean that it's um, like super obvious all the time. It's usually more like a whisper and that whisper nudges me in certain directions. Uh, and then if it feels good, I'll go with that. So I might get like little whispers and then I might get little signs that appear around me. So I might think about something, say, you know, nowadays in my life, if I'm like, I really want to do this in my business. I might kind of feel that come up a whole bunch and then I might see it reinforced in other things that I'm seeing and then I'll so start paying to attention. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then so I see it reinforced and it's like, okay, there's something in this. But it starts 
for me in my body and it starts for me tuning in and getting quiet. And I know that's not the case for everyone. You know, that's very much my experience around it. But I know for clients, for example, that it can come through others. You know, it can start by um, like people witnessing things in others and then feeling a deep connection to something that they know is a next step for them. So I, I find that just giving yourself the opportunity to inquire and be aware is really the first step because that will then allow you to determine how intuition comes forth for you. And just knowing that it is subtle, it's really subtle. It's not necessarily going to to be like a big, loud bang or like a voice that drops into your head. Although some people do have an experience that more often it's really subtle. And so it requires you to really tune in and go, what does this look like for me? Knowing it can show up in so many different ways. Mm, And having it as those little subtle nudges or messages or visuals or images can be really easy to dismiss, particularly if it's things that we don't want to do or don't want to listen to. It's so easy to say, oh, well, it was just a fleeting thought or it doesn't matter or those nudges don't mean anything. But actually, sometimes the hardest things to do are what you're being guided to do. A hundred percent. And, you know, that's why this process of self-inquiry is so important. So like, why am I getting served this? Why is this coming up? What's going on here? Really giving yourself permission to look at the things that are coming up for you, knowing that, you know, at times it will be really, really challenging. Um, you know, knowing the premise of this podcast and I work with a lot of mama clients, as you know, I, I know that, you know, as we're talking about like this process of giving yourself time for self-inquiry, that might feel like the, the giving yourself time part might feel really challenging for the season of life that you're in. But when we say giving yourself time, that doesn't need to look like being in some like long, luxurious meditative practice. Even as someone who doesn't have children in this phase of my life, I've never been a person to like luxuriate in long meditations. It's just not my style. You know this about me, Kieran. Like I like to go, I like to move. Um, And so, you know, I know for clients, sometimes it's just like taking a sip of coffee and giving yourself the opportunity to tune in. Or when you're bathing your kids, like giving yourself the opportunity to just take a deep breath and have a moment to tune in. So knowing that this is something that you can absolutely do, even in seasons of life that feel really full. Yeah. And I think the more that you take time for those little micro moments of self-inquiry, the stronger those triggers become. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of, okay, I'm going to take three seconds to just do a deep breath. And I'm going to do that three times a day. And that's going to be my anchor. And then it becomes this really beautiful anchor that you can use anywhere, anytime. It doesn't have to look convoluted. 100% agree. Yeah. So I know mindset is one of your um, core pillars, I suppose you could say, in the way that you support your clients and also in the way that you build your business. So when did you really start to kind of notice that this mindset piece in supporting your clients was a big part of that overall picture to business growth? Yeah. So this is where I I move into a little bit of the business conversation for a moment. So when I started working with my clients, so I moved from corporate into, into coaching, as you shared in the intro. And 
what I found was I started working with small business owners, so women like yourself, um, where it is mostly us at the start doing all the things and wearing all the hats. And as I was talking about strategy and marketing, what I most often found was that the marketing and strategic work obviously requires us as CEO of our company, face of our company or business to really show up and be able to be visible, put ourselves out there, be seen, move forward, take action. And the things that were prohibiting my clients from getting results were actually in that it was the taking action of those things that were really, really challenging because they were getting in their own way because of fear of judgment, because of fear of being seen, because of self-sabotage, because of procrastination, because of all of those stories that come up for us that stop us from moving forward. And so because I'd also done life coach training, there was a moment where it was like, okay, this is a huge aha for me that I absolutely get to support my clients in this unique way where I can teach strategy and and marketing, but I can also teach and really understand people at that internal level and guide them back to themselves to truly get to know themselves better which will in turn allow them to show up as the best possible business owner they can be. Because, and I know you and I have talked about this, that business really is one of the greatest spiritual journeys that we can go on. And like most things in life, the more we know ourselves, the better we're going to be able to show up in the world and business is no different. And so that was really the path to, to, discovering that mindset was such a key part and it is such a key part. Like it's something that I come back to with my clients again and again and again. Um, And I just love this work so much. Yes. And definitely working with you, this was where I found the biggest shifts, the most, the most powerful support that I received was through this mindset work. And I kind of saw it as, yeah, this opening into a world that, I didn't really know I needed to be opened to. And for me, the the mindset work was the conduit into spirituality. So I guess for me, I do see them as two separate entities, two separate pieces of, of work, of bodies of work that we have to do, but you can't do one without the other for me. So I would love to see, hear your take on, do you see that there is a difference between mindset work and spirituality? And how does that relationship kind of work together if you do see a difference there? It's a great question. So as you know, I teach the SWIFT mindset method and something that I say when I'm speaking to that method, the the intro to that program is I say, you know, what is, I, I basically speak to like, what is the SWIFT mindset method? And I say, it's a way of understanding your mind and your mindset um, through a range of practices. And I say that you'll hear me speak to spirituality. You'll hear me speak to law of attraction. You'll hear me speak to a range of different modalities. And so the reason I share that example is because the way that I view mindset is that it's all about that process of self-inquiry to get really, really clear on what beliefs and stories are actually serving you every single day and really allowing yourself to connect back to those so that life gets to be more fun. Like it's as simple as that at a mindset level. It's like, do we want to feel good most of the time? Yes. Therefore, what thoughts do we need to have swirling around in our brain to allow us to feel good most of the time? And when we realize that we actually have the power to choose those thoughts, everything changes. And so 
that's really the premise of, of mindset work is it's that internalized power. So it's that opportunity for true connection to yourself based on the power of your thoughts. And so the way that I view spirituality is that spirituality is more about relationship to self and the universe and source and, you know, whatever outside of yourself. So I see the two as being separate, but absolutely intertwined. And so I so agree with you and what you've shared there that when you dive into mindset work, so often what you're doing is you're creating belief systems that support you. And a lot of the time, those belief systems will also incorporate spirituality and faith. So to provide examples of that, you know, if um, something's really challenging for me in my life or my work, I'll come back to a belief of, I wouldn't be guided on this path to do this thing if I wasn't meant to do it. And so that's a belief that I've adopted that really supports me that I have on repeat constantly. And you can hear how that belief is also really cemented in spirituality as well. So two different concepts, but absolutely one supports the other. Yes. And they feel like they both feel like big bodies of work. But I think if we try to think, I have all this work to do, I have all these beliefs beliefs to shift, I have all this spirituality to unpack and uncover and figure out where the hell I fit into all of this, it's just going to be too overwhelming to start. So kind of starting with that one next step, what's my what's my body feeling called to? What's my mind feeling called to? What's the one thing here I can start exploring to open this world a little bit more, just to crack the door open a smidge (laughs) rather than like busting the full door down with your feet? (laughs) Definitely. And so I think with that in mind, then it's almost like paying attention to the conversation that you and I are having right now and playing with what feels most exciting for you, what feels most intriguing for you and starting there. Yes. And I think uh, like a beautiful thing that I experienced through that mindset work is it felt like an easy uh, concept, I suppose, to grasp. It felt more accepted, more spoken about. There was, you know, more known people that I knew of in the space teaching concepts that just made sense. Like, yeah, I can get that. Whereas with the spirituality side of things, it's kind of like, well, that just feels airy-fairy. That feels soapy that feels flaky I don't I don't believe any of this stuff you're asking me to believe in stuff that I can't see or feel or smell so it was like this beautiful conduit between okay here's this really practical thing that I've got here but it's gonna oh it just yeah without me realizing it opened the doors to seeing and viewing the world in in such a different way it's so true. So it's like, yeah, mindset is the evidence-backed uh, uh, scientific way of being able to understand yourself without being sceptical very easily because so much of it's rooted in science, psychology, yeah. uh, you know, neuroscience. Uh, and so, yeah, when you unlock that door, as you say, you then start to play with belief systems, which can lead to a lot of spiritual-based work. And can I just say, I loved witnessing that in you. It's, you know, you being the very smart human that you are, um, what I think you did so well was you just kept on that process of self-inquiry. Like you just kept asking questions. And even when something felt just like, no, that's not a thing, or that couldn't be true. You still are, like, there was a part of you, tell me if I'm wrong here. There was a part of you that was like, 
I just want to explore this a little further though. And it's so epic seeing that in humans because, you know, it's beginner's mindset, right? It's the the ability to continue looking at things in new ways. And if we all tapped into that a little bit more, if we all anchored into more of a beginner's mindset, if we were all a little bit more open in listening to other people and their perspectives and their views, imagine what the world would look like. Yeah. A very, very different place. And yeah, I think you definitely nailed it in that I do get really excited by the exploration of things. And I'm at a point in my life now where if I if I read something or if I am introduced to a concept that I don't know or I don't understand and it triggers me, I think, well, that seems like a piece of shit. Like what, who, who would think that way? Then I start to get really curious. I'm like, well, actually, hang on a minute. Why do you think that way when you don't even understand this concept or you've got no idea about what these people are talking about or you don't even know what that language is? Why are you feeling so defensive and so triggered by that? And then I start my exploration into that. So I think that's a really nice place to be because it means I either grow and expand my knowledge and understanding about what feels true to me, or I know that that thing, yeah, I looked into it and it's just not for me, but I can understand. I can hold compassion to people for thinking that way or believing that way. It's just not for me. So it's really, I feel like it's really opened up, yeah, so much more compassion in my life for different ways of thinking and being without having to be so rooted in this is the right way to do things. Because I think a lot of my upbringing was there is a right and a wrong way to do things. There is a black and there is a white. Um, And it's, yeah, it's not like my, my parents ever put a lot of pressure for me to think or be a certain way, but I guess it was just an undertone into my upbringing that, you know, Right and wrong is is a strong thing that we hold in our family. So for me, that in, in my way of thinking, I often thought like I have the right way of thinking. I'm doing things the right way. But, yeah, again, it's just one of those things that I've not been able to expect or predict from doing this sort of work is, is the compassion that it's opened up. And it makes you then become like a better mama, I'm sure, and, you know, a better daughter, sister, like all of the, all of the roles that we hold in, in doing this work, the, the ripple effects of that are just so, so vast because it's so expansive to be able to view things through different lenses. And so, and it's really freeing as well because things just start to piss us off far less and life gets to be way more enjoyable when things just don't bother you as much, you know, person behind you in the car honking their horn, you laugh. And, you know, I imagine like certain things that your girls do just don't bother you. Like maybe they used to, or, you know, again, that's speculative. Yeah. Um, Look, in, yeah, in true honesty, I still do have a little bit of road rage. <laughs> You're like the road rage thing though, back to the road rage thing. But you know what I mean, right? Like there's, it, it really changes the way that we view things. There's, and and I think that's it. Like we all have different things that get us going. Like for for some of us, there might be things we hold on to, but there might be other things where we're like, oh, that's just not a problem anymore. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And something that I want to kind of delve into you. We we touched a little bit on this earlier, but that that uh, that struggle, that resistance with doing things that might not feel good that you might not want to do that might feel too scary might feel too overwhelming Mm. if you've got some wisdom to share around following that even though it can feel like 
a really hard thing to do. And I just want to, before I get your answer, touch on the fact that you inadvertently played a very big role in me coming to the realisation that perhaps my marriage wasn't the place that I wanted to be in. The work that I did with you through one of your courses, it didn't spark right then and there that I needed to leave the marriage, but I knew that there was something there that I had to explore. It was either something blocking from me or um, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that it had to have exploration. So, uh, and I have shared this with you. So I know, I know you, you know this, but huge, huge life-changing decision that I, and I didn't want to have to break up my marriage. I didn't want to have to do that. And I speak more about this in the very first episode that I've released. So if you want more, um, more background or more information about my personal journey and that journey with through my separation, then go back and listen to that first episode. But you also shared so much beautiful, um, uh, yeah, words of advice or wisdom around that at that time. And I would love for you to be able to bring that into this space as well, if you could. Yeah, absolutely. So look, when we're growing, evolving, shifting, moving forward with something, what I find is that there are two things that we really need to dive into. The first is what are our biggest fears around failing? Like what are our, what's the worst case scenario that could occur for us? So, you know, is it that our biggest fear is that we're not going to get the promotion? We're not going to, um, you know, get the new business thing that we're not going to be the good mama, or, you know, whatever good mama actually means, like, you know, whatever it is, like whatever that thing is that we're afraid of not getting right. But then conversely, what are our biggest fears around actually getting everything that we want? Like, what are the biggest fears? And I know that this was the the aha moment for you. This was the clincher, right? Like, what are our biggest fears around growing in the way that we want to, becoming the person that we want to become, getting everything that we want in our life? What are we afraid of there? Are we afraid that we're going to lose people? Are we afraid that it's going to mean something about us? Are we afraid that it's going to mean that we're not going to be able to hold on to excuses anymore because we're just not going to be in that place? And actually, it's been really easy to play in excuses previously. So giving yourself full permission to go there on what it is that you're most afraid of when it comes to your next level or your goal and giving yourself permission to anchor into your biggest fears around that actually happening as well. Because when you explore that, when you go there, when you open that up and you take yourself to that place, you lose the charge around it. The charge, the fear, the bigness of it comes from not going there. And for so many of us, we live our life in this numb way where we never actually go to those edges of what it is that we most want. We never actually go to those edges of what it is we're most afraid of. We never actually go to those edges of who is the person that I see in my visions of who I know I am at my core or who I know I want to be in this lifetime. So by writing that out in terms of, you know, those worst case scenarios, taking yourself to those places, it can be so freeing and it can be so, you can uncover so much in that process. And again, it it really just allows you to anchor back into, well, this is what I want. I've explored those fears. I know that this is what that could look like. I'm doing it anyway. I'm committed to it because ultimately I know that 
that next level, that next edge, that growth outside of my comfort zone, it is far worse if I stay in this place than going to that next place. It is far worse me knowing that I never committed to being the best version of myself in this lifetime. It is far worse to not have done that. Yeah. So it's almost like the anticipation of the greatness of it can be the biggest block of all sometimes. It can be crippling. So I can't remember who it was that said this, but the quote is like, the only thing um, greater than the fear of failure is the fear of success. And I really see that to be true. So I hear stories all the time of, you know, if if I were to insert goal here, let's talk about the things that would be most scary. And the things that I hear all the time are, it will mean that I will be be really shiny and therefore people will not want to hang out with me or be part of my life or be interested in me. Um, I will lose people I love. I will outgrow people I love. I won't have anything in common with people I love. I, I don't know that person. I don't know what life looks like for that person. It's safer being this person because I know this person really intimately. I'm afraid of all of the ways that uh, things will look different. We don't like change as humans. Um, and obviously deciding that you're wanting to move into a next iteration of yourself, there's a lot of change around that. And so in speaking about this and bringing it back to, to matrescence, and, and I'd love for you to play with this, Kieran, I think that, you know, knowing that that process, again, purely speaking to what I witness in clients and in girlfriends, knowing that that process is about shedding who you once were and allowing yourself to evolve into that next iteration of yourself. A lot of this might feel true right now for for those of you that are listening. And I'd really encourage you to play with, well, what is it? Like, who am I afraid to become? Who is this next version that I'm turning into? And what am I most afraid of in this next version of myself? What do I need to let go of here? And allow myself to let go of knowing that, I have been, you know, this incredible maiden and I can celebrate her, but that human, that woman is, is part of me, but not all of me as she once was. And who do I need to really step into as this next version of me, as the mother that I am? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that there's so much that we are trying to learn and figure out just in becoming mums, whether it's for the first time or second, third, you know, every time you have a new child enter your world, there is a huge adjustment that has to happen with life. And we're so often taught that we shouldn't change or that it's bad to change. Like you said, we're afraid of that change, of that evolution. So we go into it thinking, well, this baby isn't going to change me. I'm still going to do the things that I love doing and I'm still going to be the same person. You know, this this thing isn't going to change my life or how I show up. When in actual fact, when we get into that space of being in matrescence, we suddenly feel so disconnected from that maiden or from that life before this new child entered our, our world that we don't know who we are anymore and it, and we don't know where to start. It's such a scary process. And, you know, the concept of matrescence is fairly relatively new in the space mm. of being understood. So there's a lot, you know, it's not like how mothers went through matrescence and knew, well, they did. It's not like they knew they were going through matrescence and, under, and understanding that impact. 
So we don't have that generational support and education coming through. We're just trying to figure it all out. And when we're trying to figure out being a mum as it is, let alone trying to figure out who this new person is and the, the shedding, the release that has to come along with that, you know, both internally for our thinking and our belief system, but also externally with our friends, our career, our, our hobbies, whatever it is, you know, when we feel like we're a shell of a person and we have to release more to become a different version, that can feel really bloody scary. Yeah. I can imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. And so it sounds like, you know, it's so empowering then to be able to play with that. And so much of this is that internal work that gets to happen whilst whilst you're in the process of being new mama, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and it has to. And I think the deeper you do the internal work, the easier it is to allow the things like the shedding and the release to happen because you feel more more trusting of the process, more trusting that this just doesn't feel good anymore and I am confident in that. I'm not constantly seeking externally. I'm not constantly having to be, uh, you know, have my mothering reinforced by other people. I know I'm making these right choices, which is where that internal inquiry becomes so powerful and so important in this work, particularly in that mothering space when there's a lot of, uh, in inverted commas, experts <laughs> and opinions and advice that come our way, um, trying to decipher what what should stick and land and, and what we can release can be, yeah, a bit of a journey. Yes. So, Ellie, I would love to know about what are, your, what are some of your favourite tools that you use and maybe if we can kind of stick to the ones that don't take a lot of time I know you're not like a deep kind of hour-long meditator anyway but if mums are like where do we even start what sort of tools do I use to help this mindset work help this spiritual practice what could you share around that for us yeah I'm so big on quick and easy so the first thing that really supports me which is so so uh easy to access at any time is coming back to your breath. So um, having done a whole bunch of different breath work, I don't do anything fancy. I don't even do like nostril breathing or in for however many, out for however many. I just sit and ground and I take my focus down to my hips and around that area, like my womb space and my hips down to those really grounding chakras in my body and I picture myself being deeply rooted on the earth and I breathe. So really great way to just come back into your body. Um, and again, I know just from conversations with mama clients that there can be so much anxious thought, especially in those new mothering stages. So it just gives you that opportunity to come back to your mama intuition that really is going to guide you over and above everything else. Um, so breathing, like coming back to that first, whether it's one breath, whether it's five minutes of it, um, just focusing on that first and foremost, something else that I really love to do is journaling. Uh, so giving yourself five minutes to journal on a particular question that might be coming up for you just to journal on your thoughts, just to free journal on, you know, what it is that you're feeling in any moment can be a really great way to just check in with you, especially again, if you've got children around or you're feeling like so much of what you're doing is, is external, it gives you a great opportunity to reconnect to your thoughts. 
Uh, I'm also such a big fan of getting out in nature and just going for a walk. So the science around um, how our brain works and how our mind thinks about things as we're walking, basically it, it tells us that we can't be anxious when we're walking. Like there is a part of our brain that essentially switches off. And I, I can't speak to the neuroscience of this. I should, I should get that information, but Sarah Wilson talks about this really beautifully. Um, she really specializes in anxiety and um, an anxious thought. And she speaks to how, when you're walking, your brain will naturally go into problem solution mode. So it will naturally support you to uncover what it is that you most need to know or what it is that is going to help you through what it is you're navigating. So that's why, you know, you hear people go on like problem walks to find a solution to something or why, um, you know, a lot of people are taking meetings while they're walking and all those sorts of things. So if you can, if you've got a baby or children that allow for it, get outside as much as possible, go for walks as much as possible. Um, again, these are all really simple things that you're probably doing anyway, but bringing a little bit more mindfulness to it will change everything. So those anchoring practices, as you said before. Yeah. So it's like, especially with things like the walking, when we think, oh, I've got to get out for a bloody walk today, you know, I don't really want to do it then you can like have that little memory or that little, yeah, that little trigger of actually I'm doing this for this reason and I'm excited to be doing it, just coming at it with a very different energy. Yes, exactly. Maybe maybe I should do a walking podcast. You should. I love that (laughs) idea. The heavy breathing. (laughs) Three seconds in. You'd probably find that you drop in a lot of new thoughts. You talk (laughs) a little bit faster and, yeah, your breathing might be a little bit more laboured. Exactly. Um, I would love for you to share some uh, or maybe like one or two examples of some of the biggest shifts that you have noticed since getting a lot more conscious, deeper into your your spirituality and your mindset practice. I know you've had incredible business growth, which that's definitely tied to, but maybe more in your personal life. Where have you really noticed some big shifts happening through this work? So the biggest one that comes up for me is I've always had an interesting relationship to control. So I, and it's really common with high performers that I work with, is that when we are growing, evolving, living our life, uh, if we feel like things are out of our control, we feel like things are moving in a way that we can't quite grasp, we tend to resort to like over controlling tactics. So to create safety for ourselves, because ultimately our our nervous system's unregulated and we're trying to regulate it. And we do that by trying to create control. And often those tactics that we use to try and create control can be really counterintuitive. So just for me, examples of that are, um, you know, maybe having like conversations with my husband or conversations with friends where I'm resistant to doing certain things or I um, become less open or I become a little bit um, uh, just like not not receptive to, to new experiences, which is not my natural state. 
Um, and in business, it definitely looks like being controlling with my team and like not letting them support me. So that's something that I have recognized for me is a behavior that I go to when I feel unsafe. And because I like to be outside of my comfort zone a lot, I know that in this lifetime, there's a lot of expansion for me. And I love that. I had to be very, very aware that that, or I became very, very aware that that was a behavior that I resorted to. And that when that comes up, it's just a sign that I'm feeling unsafe and I need to create safer practices to come back to safety, which looks like things like the practices that we talked about before, those breathing exercises, giving myself the opportunity to really anchor back into my body, know that that's actually the way that safety is created for me. Um, I even, there've been moments in my life where it's even looked like things like um, I might want to really clean, like go to clean things, which can be a minor symptom of uh, OCD and uh, generalized anxiety disorder, which while I've never been diagnosed, I definitely have experienced anxiety throughout my life. So that's that's something that I'm always just mindful of and would say I've definitely moved through in my life. The second thing that comes up for me is uh, my relationship to money. So I have done a lot of work around money, obviously in, you know, the growth of my business and, and what I've created and being able to hold money. Um, but relationship to money in abundance and an ability to receive, um, I, you know, again, like I said before, I definitely have privilege in that I grew up in with the family that loved me. Um, but I didn't grow up with any wealth in, you know, in terms of my childhood. Um, I didn't know anyone who'd had the kind of business, uh, success that, um, I really wanted to create. Uh, and so that was something, my ability to receive and my ability to hold, um, money and people, bigger than me was something that I really had to grow into. And with that came a lot of trust in uh, the abundance that I could create in my life. And so I share that one because I think that knowing that that is something that is a skill or something to move through can be really supportive because so often we view abundance and receivership as something that maybe we're like born with or we're not. Um, but in my experience, I've been able to create more and more and more for myself as my capacity to receive expanded and my ability to understand money and abundance has also expanded. So they're the main two. So was that receiver work that you done with, was that more so around uh, the wealth and the money side of things or did you have resistance to receiving in all capacity? all capacity and it's all related. So if you are really lacking the, and I feel like you're, you're purposely leading me here with this question, which I love when you might be lacking in receiving in a certain area in your life that will flow on to other areas. So for example, if you're really struggling to ask for help or support in your home, it's going to be really hard for you to perhaps receive in other ways in other areas of your life. So learning that skill of practicing receivership allows you to create more abundance everywhere, whether that is more abundance of love in your relationship with your partner, more of an abundance of support in your mothering, more abundance in terms of money in your work. Um, that ability to receive is something that you know, from a from a conditioning standpoint, as women, it's so hard for us to receive. We are just so conditioned to give 
and give and work and provide and serve to actually receive and allow people to support us and help us, it's so much harder to tap into that. But when you do, conversely, what you'll find is that you're able to create more, you're able to be more, you're able to do more. And, you know, the way that I look at it is the more I receive, the more I'm supporting the wider ecosystem. So the more I'm asking for support, the more I'm allowing other people to be of service in their own unique ways as well. And so the the concept of being able to receive really supports everyone in all the ways. What a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation because I will die on the hill of really encouraging the receival of support in this mothering space and you just put a beautiful little bow on that. So thank you, Ellie. If uh, the mamas listening are like, yes, I've just felt this call to start this business or I've got this side hustle and I'm feeling so called to just make it more like this is really the direction I need to be in and people want to work with you, want to touch base with you, want to chat with you, what is the best way for them to do a, uh, to go about that, to get in touch with you? And I will share your socials, but just so people know where to be uh, headed if they want to reach out to you. Absolutely. So if you want to share, I'd love to know first and foremost, what you loved about this episode. So even if you're not interested in business, I'm love connection. And so please just jump on over to Instagram, send me a DM at Ellie H Swift um, and tell me what you love most about this episode. I would love that so much. That's also the best way to reach me. If you do have any questions about how you can work with me. Um, And if you are in business or you're considering it, uh, obviously you're a fellow podcast listener. So jump on over to shine online with Ellie Swift. That's my podcast where I share all things, how to build uh, six and seven figure business. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I have really loved this conversation and spending this time with you as always. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved it.